I'd like to start today with law and order or law and auto, depending on your preference. I know that it feels like just yesterday that the failed former president, Donald Trump, went from being a once indicted president to a twice indicted former president. But we are now potentially inching up imminently on Donald Trump's third arrest and indictment and potentially even fourth arrest and indictment. There is a very interesting report from NBC News. Five or six Secret Service agents have testified before the January 6th grand jury, sources say. It is not known what the agent's proximity to Trump was on January 6th or what information they may have provided to the grand jury. It's important to remember that and it's hard to keep track of. I admit if you're busy working, listen, I work in doing this and it's hard to keep track of all of the investigations and potential arrests that are forthcoming involving the failed former president. Um, If you have like a real job, I can only imagine that it is a mess of confusion. What is going on? Donald Trump has been arrested and indicted at the state level in New York. Donald Trump has been arrested and indicted federally related to the classified documents fiasco. There is a concurrent federal investigation into Donald Trump's role related to the January 6th riots. So while that is going on, we also have to remember what's going on in Georgia with Fonnie Willis. So let's go through the possible forthcoming arrests. I I don't really know which one we would call the third or the fourth. What I mean by that is we don't exactly know which is likely to happen first or next. But the next federal arrest would be related to the House committee investigation into the January 6th Trump riots. Those investigations led to criminal referrals to the Justice Department, federal charges, remember, and they relate to allegations, belief, the suggestion that Donald Trump attempted to incite an insurrection, participated in a conspiracy to defraud the United States, obstructed official proceedings, conspiracy to make false statements, etc. All of that has been referred to the Justice Department for potential federal prosecution. That's what this is all about. The Secret Service agents that testified the um, subject matter, presumably about which they were asked and testified, all relates to a concurrent special counsel investigation by Jack Smith. Jack Smith is the same special prosecutor involved in Trump's existing federal indictment. This may be a second federal indictment. Spokeswoman for the Secret Service has so far declined to comment. The content of the subpoenas and appearances is not known. Secret Service agents who were close to Trump on January 6th may be able to confirm, deny or provide more details on that story first told by Cassidy Hutchinson. You, of course, remember her explosive testimony under oath, by the way, under oath. We then get to the potential fourth arrest. The fourth arrest would come out of Fulton County, Georgia. This is the arrest, uh, the investigation rather being handled by the district attorney, Fonnie Willis. And this relates to Trump's attempt to overturn the results in Georgia. Remember that Joe Biden won Georgia in the sense that he received more votes than Donald Trump. I know that now and you know, for all of the attacks from the right about postmodern leftists where words no longer have meaning, what we mean by Trump lost and Biden won is that Biden received more votes in concurrence with the will of the voters of Georgia. It's not super complicated. He won in the sense that he got more votes than Trump. 
That's where Trump's famous phone call where he said, I need 11,000 votes. Give me a break. That entire fiasco is the subject matter of the Georgia investigation from which a fourth arrest could come. A special grand jury heard evidence in that case for roughly seven months, and um, there were a, a dozen or so indictments recommended. It was hinted at by that zany and kooky jury foreperson that Trump may be among those recommended indictments. We will uh, see probably uh, during that session of the grand jury, the, the grand jury term from July 11th to September 1st. That is the time range during which we would expect that arrest. So as we continue to see that nobody else in the 2024 Republican primary seems to be able to make any progress, uh, Chris Christie, as, as we said yesterday, tongue in cheek, Chris Christie's polling has surged 150 percent from one percent to two point five percent. But DeSantis, Ron DeSanctimonious, he's flat. Um, Nikki Haley, four percent. You know, it, everybody's flat. And Trump is essentially flat as well. Nobody seems to be able to make any progress against Trump, despite now two arrests. Would a third arrest damage Trump? Would a fourth arrest damage Trump? Increasingly, my guess is that the answer is no. We may find out about that soon. Let's now talk about an explosive development. Remember, law and order, folks, law and order. You've got to have law. You've got to have order. Explosive development in Trump's existing federal indictment. CNN has obtained the audio of Donald Trump in 2021 talking about classified documents that he has. This audio, which I'm going to play for you, contradicts many of Donald Trump's recent claims during interviews about classified documents. It also contradicts Trump's claims that he declassified everything while president. Remember, this is one of the arguments. Well, I can't possibly get in trouble for what I did with classified documents after leaving office because I declassified all of it. If that were the case, we wouldn't have Trump on an audio recording saying these are classified because he would have declassified them. CNN exclusive. CNN obtains the tape of Trump's 2021 conversation about classified documents. Let's just play it. This first aired last night on Anderson Cooper's program. It is extraordinary. And at the top level, it is notable for two reasons. Number one, it exposes Trump's crimes. Number two, it exposes Trump's lies. And of course, they are in many cases interwoven. Bad, sick people. That, but, was, that was your coup, you know, against you. That's well, it started right at the like beginning. Like when Millie's talking about, oh, you were going to try to do a coup. No, they, they were trying right. to do that before you even were sworn in. That's right. Trying no, yeah. to overthrow yeah. your election. Well, with Millie, uh, let me see that. I'll, I'll show you an example. He said that I wanted to attack Iran. Isn't it amazing? I have a big pile of papers. This thing just came up. Look. This was him. They presented me this. this is off the record. But OK, so Trump first says this is off the record. That's not indicative of anything related to the classification status of the documents. So far, no issue. Let's continue. They presented me this. This was him. This was the Defense Department and him. Wow. We looked at some. This was him. This wasn't done by me. This was him. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. It's pages long. Look. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let's see. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I just found. Isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know. 
-hmm. Except it is like highly confidential. Uh This is secret information. Look look at this. You attack and Hillary would print that out all the time, you know. She'd send it to Anthony Weiner. The pervert. Um, By the way, isn't that incredible? Yeah. I was just saying because we were talking about it. And you know, he said he wanted to attack Iran and what he's in the papers. Wow. This was done by the military, given to me. Uh, I think we can probably. Right? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to try to figure out. A, a, yeah. See, as president, I could have detlessed. Yeah. No. That is critical. That is critical. I can't, you know, but this is. Yeah, now, now we have a problem. Trump said, as president, I could have declassified it. And a staffer says, yeah, and laughs. And then Trump says, now I can't, you know, but this is still a secret. Why would you say you could have declassified something if you did declassify all the documents there? Whether Trump is now claiming he telepathically declassified, whether Trump is claiming that there was any default declassification that happens when he takes something, it doesn't matter what mechanism he cites for declassification as bogus as those methods may be. He says right here, this is still secret. I could have declassified it, but now I can't. Let's listen to the last few seconds. Yeah, you know, but this is yeah, now, now we have a problem. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's so yeah. cool. I mean, it's so. I'm look. We here. I have, and you probably almost didn't believe me, but now you believe me. No, it's, I believe it's incredible, you. right? No, it, hey, bring some, uh, bring some cokes in, please. So there, Trump calls for sodas, uh, calls for cokes to be brought in to sort of celebrate the disclosure of classified documents to people who are not clear to do that. So this is extraordinarily damning. This is going to be. Uh, an exhibit for sure in the forthcoming either criminal trial of Trump or something that will be presented by prosecutors at possible plea negotiations to say, look at what we have. We've got you. You might be better off taking a plea. Now, not only is it abundantly clear that this is part of the criminality, it's also important to understand that Trump, with absolutely no hesitation whatsoever, no qualms, no no reservations at all, regularly lies about this stuff. Here is Donald Trump in that whacked out interview last week on Fox News with Brett Bayer, um, which was covered while I was away, saying there was nothing to declassify because these were newspaper stories and and articles uh, that he had and was showing people. But of course, we know that that is a lie. Here is Trump with a totally straight face, as straight as Trump's face can be uh, lying to Brett Bayer. I couldn't do that wasn't a document, Brett. There was no document. That was a massive amount of papers and everything else talking about Iran and other things. And it may have been held up or may not, but that was not a document. I didn't have a document per se. There was nothing to declassify. These were newspaper stories, magazine stories. Okay. It is abundantly clear. Folks, I mean, I know that we on the left have a problem. And the problem is when we see something like this, we say, this is it, folks. We've. There is nothing that these people can come up with now to explain this away. And then they come up with something. They go, no, Trump misspoke here or he misspoke there. Trump thought the document was classified, but it really wasn't. It was just Trump's mistake. They will always have some way to try to weasel out of it. But we don't care about that. What we care about is what is going to happen in a court of law, because these are now legal proceedings. These are legal proceedings. Trump says to Brett Bayer, 
I these weren't classified documents in that conversation. Remember, that interview was before the audio leaked. The interview was pre audio leak. Trump says I was showing people newspaper articles in the audio recording released by CNN. Trump is clearly referring to documents from the Department of Defense. He's not saying, look at what they wrote in The New York Times or whatever. He's clearly referring to government documents and he knows that they are classified, that he didn't declassify them as president, that he can no longer declassify them as an ex president and that it is not something that he should be showing people. This is evidence of exactly the criminality with which Donald Trump has been charged. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, my friends. In May, we had more than three million people watch our clips, but not subscribe. If just 10 percent of that three million subscribes right now, we will get to the two million dollar, two million subscriber uh, line on YouTube very, very strongly and quickly. Uh, we'll take a quick break and be right back. One of our sponsors today is Happy Hippo offering super quality lab tested Kratom, letting you try their products completely free. Kratom, also known as Mitragena speciosa, is an herbal leaf from Southeast Asia known for its soothing and uplifting properties. We've talked about it on the show before. Some people compare it to coffee, others to CBD, but with a much more pronounced effect. You can take it with water, use it to make tea. The quality of Kratom that you buy online or at stores can really vary. And if you use Kratom, Happy Hippo is where you want to go. With over 10 years of experience in the business, Happy Hippo only offers top shelf alkaloid rich Kratom products. No grainy, cheap stuff. All the batches are consistent and lab tested for purity. If you ever run into a batch you don't like, they'll replace it. No questions asked. Happy Hippo offers same day shipping. They often ship within just 20 minutes of you ordering. And Happy Hippo has the happiest customer service you'll find anywhere. You can try Happy Hippo products totally free. They'll even ship to you for free. Go to happyhippo.com slash Pacman. Click the pink button at the bottom of the page that says free Kratom. You can also get 20% off all of their products with code Pacman. That's happyhippo.com slash Pacman. Click the free Kratom button to receive some product completely free with free shipping. After that, use the code Pacman for 20% off. The info is in the podcast notes. I love a good sauna after a workout, after a stressful or long day. You get in the sauna to unwind. The blood vessels dilate. Your heart rate goes up. It can soothe muscles and more. Now you can enjoy the same effects from the comfort of your home without a bunch of strangers walking around, which I personally am not big on. Our sponsor, Bond Charge, makes the world's safest and most advanced sauna blanket, and it's tremendous. I love getting in there for reading or get a little work done, a little meditation, take a nap. Just gets you really relaxed, super easy to clean, really compact, lightweight design, simple to fold up and put away when you're done with it. And it comes with a 12 month warranty. If you don't love it, returns are really easy. No questions asked. Go to bondcharge.com slash Pacman. Use the code Pacman for 15 percent off. 
That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E dot com slash Pacman and get 15 percent off with code Pacman. The info is in the podcast notes. All right. Many of you wrote in about my coverage yesterday of Bobby Kennedy Jr.'s candidacy. The reactions were all over the map. People saying, David, you're wrong. This is God's gift to politics or David, you're wrong. He's way worse than what you're saying. He actually has no redeeming qualities and you're not being tough enough on Bobby Kennedy Jr. Maybe because you know him. I know him. I sat with him at a dinner once. Um, and then people who said, I appreciated you giving some context about Bobby Kennedy Jr. I want to be super clear. The negatives about Bobby Kennedy Jr are single handedly disqualifying of him as an even remotely serious presidential candidate. And I'm going to give you examples today. So I'm not going to be wishy washy and act like, well, there's pros and cons and maybe they cancel out. So maybe you vote for the guy. No, what I'm telling you is, although there are some things about him that I like, there are concerns so bad that they are uniquely disqualifying. I'm going to give you one example. OK, tonight, tonight, Bobby Kennedy Jr is hosting a so-called health policy roundtable. You can RSVP and participate if you want. OK, this health policy roundtable is being held with dangerous vectors of disinformation, many of whom we've covered on the program already. These are not just, you know, folks with slightly um, uh, different views about vaccination or whatever. These are dangerous and in some cases seemingly certifiably insane lunatics and hosting a health policy roundtable with these people is single handedly disqualifying. Take a look at this. Mr. Kennedy will meet with leading critics of prevailing health policy, including Dr. Joe Mercola, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, Dr. Pierre Corey, Dr. Patrick Gentempo, Maureen McDonald, Del Bigtree, Mickey Willis and Sayer G. Let's go back to Sherry Tenpenny in a moment. OK, these people, many of whom we've talked about before, Joseph Mercola is a widely known purveyor of pseudoscience and conspiracy theories fined by the FDA for making false and misleading claims about his products and covid-19 treatments. Dangerous, not a serious person. OK. Pierre Corey advocates for the use of ivermectin as a covid treatment or cure, despite the fact that there's no actual randomized controlled trials showing that that works. Um, Patrick Gentempo, chiropractor and entrepreneur who made an anti-vax documentary. That's who Bobby Kennedy is meeting with. Uh, Maureen McDonald, holistic health educator who is anti-vax and spreads, spreads false information about vaccines. Every single one of these people, Del Bigtree, founded an anti-vaccine group, produces propaganda movies. Uh, Mickey Willis, activist who also promotes uh, uh, vaccine disinformation, has been denounced by serious medical experts. OK, so all of these people. And then, of course, Sherry Tenpenny. If the name Sherry Tenpenny rings a bell, it's because we've talked about her before. Here is self-described vaccine expert Sherry Tenpenny explaining that this year, this year, folks, it's almost July and it hasn't happened this year. Every one of us will have five or even 10 people we know dead from the vaccine. 
Now we're seeing the tsunami of deaths that I've been talking about since the beginning of 21. Right. Millions of people are going to die. You know, when Judy Mikovits came out on Plandemic at the beginning of that and said that... <laughs> that more than 50 million people are going to die, and everybody was like, whoa. And when they started interviewing me and, I, and they asked me, what did I think about that number? I said, it's way too low. It's going to be much more than 50 million people in America wow. alone. And we're already starting to see it. We're not. So the tsunami of deaths is coming. It's already here. And I believe that. Remember, Bobby Kennedy Jr. is having an event tonight with this woman as if she is an expert on health. What's happening now and is starting to happen now is the tsunami of regret of the people that fell for the lies, the, your friends and family members and parents and children and all they did to your grandchildren just could not be told otherwise. But now that people are dying like flies, I mean, my business partner has 83 close people in his life that have died. I don't even believe her business par partner has 83 close people in his life. Never mind 83 people that have died. 83. It's the beginning. And I predict that by the end of this year, every person in this room and every person listening behind here is going to know a minimum of five, probably 10 or more close friends and family members that have died from these shots. OK, I still we're almost in July. Now, I understand we've got half of the year left. I don't know a single person that's died of the vaccine and everybody I know is vaccinated. That's who Bobby Kennedy is having an event with. One more Sherry Tenpenny clip just to really drive home how insane this is. Uh, here she says that it's a uh, vaccinating kids is a form of child sacrifice. This is happening in America, people. Right. And it's your job to stop everybody, you know, and wake them up and shove it in their face. And if they defund you off of social media, who cares? Now it's about trying to save unborn babies and pregnant women. It's about uh, the they, they now are actually starting a trial in to give these shots to six month olds. This is child sacrifice. This is the resurgence of child sacrifice from the days of, of the Babylonian mystery schools. Yeah. And then she goes into uh, religious nonsense. All right, folks. So listen, uh, I think it's great that Bobby Kennedy wants a higher minimum wage and wants to deal with homelessness and whatever. This event, this event is uniquely disqualifying. Let's dig in now a little more into his view on vaccines. Um, Bobby Kennedy Jr. recently appeared on Bill Maher's podcast, The Clubhouse. Uh, we now have the opportunity to hear directly from him. What is his view about vaccines? Bill Maher confronted him. Not really. Bill Maher told him, I basically agree with you about vaccines. But you're not handling this correctly. You're going to have to defend your position. So we now have video of Bobby Kennedy explaining his views on vaccines. He always says, I'm not anti-vax. I just want safe vaccines. But you will very quickly see in this video that his views are simply not based in fact. Let's get right into it. On the side that shows that autism is caused by vaccines, there's over 100 studies. I, in fact, did a book in which I listed all of those studies and digest it in, 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 in other words, summarize them all and you can go and source them. And I have OK, this is a classic anti-vax line. There's 100 studies that find a link between vaccines and autism. There's 100 studies and people accept it uncritically. The folks that have fallen for this 
who, by the way, are mostly right wing folks. It's a whole interesting thing. Trump is now praising Bobby Kennedy Jr. His constituency is heavily made up of MAGA people. He should probably be running as a Republican, quite frankly, but let's not deal with someone like Bobby goes hundred studies link vaccines to autism and then someone hears it and repeats it. Uh, you can actually investigate that. OK, there is not any scientific evidence that links vaccines to autism. And in fact, on the contrary, many studies have found no link whatsoever. The foremost such quote study by now disbarred doctor revoked medical license, Andrew Wakefield was retracted. It's a bogus study. Most of the data uh, that many people cite comes from that. But let's talk about this hundred studies thing. The claim that more than 100 studies link vaccines to autism is based on a list of papers that was compiled by an anti-vax website. They have uh, a horse in the game, in the race, so to speak, and the list has been widely debunked by experts. Now, don't take my word for it. Do what Bobby says. Go and look at the list, but don't just look at the summaries that he makes. Look at the actual uh, uh, citations. Okay, many of the papers on the list aren't actually about vaccines and autism at all. They might be about one or the other. Some have been retracted. Some have methodological flaws and some simply theorize about what could cause autism. If you look at those hundred papers, you will find papers that, for example, say when we think about why there may be rising rates of autism, one reason could be that we are better at diagnosing it. So we're actually just identifying more cases of autism. Another reason could be vaccines. Another reason could be, you know, whatever, Wi-Fi, right? Just because you put vaccines on a list of things that hypothetically could be related doesn't mean that it's a study that shows it. This is the sort of stuff he's citing. Tons of examples. There's one paper called a positive association found between autism prevalence and childhood vaccination. And it claims to show that there's a correlation between vaccination rates and autism in different states. The idea being states with more uh, vaccination also have more autism. The problem is it doesn't establish any causal link. It's not science. It doesn't account for the fact that autism diagnosis is likely better in the very same states that have more vaccination. I'll give you an example, and I don't want to beat a dead horse here. Uh, I apologize for the, the, the violent term beating a dead horse, but it's it's really important to understand this. Think about the states that have higher rates of vaccination. OK, think about the states that have better health infrastructure. OK, if you think about those states, California, New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts, states that have better health infrastructure are going to find and diagnose more autism because they actually have protocols for when teachers observe certain behaviors, you would actually say, hey, this is someone who maybe should be screened for autism, et cetera. Those are the same states that have higher vaccination rates due to better health infrastructure and better education. So this is just one example and you can go through and you can find it. It's a bogus list on the uh, also important to note. The very pediatrician that Bobby Kennedy uh, cites for much of his anti-vaccine views has disavowed Bobby Kennedy and says he interviewed me once and then completely misstated all the stuff I said. So that's another classic. On the other hand, we have the work of the CDC 
uh, National Academy of Medicine, all these groups that say we, we've looked at it. We find absolutely no link between vaccines and autism. OK, it gets crazier from there. Let's continue. Remember, this is Bobby Kennedy in his own words, giving us his view about vaccines, says 100 studies find a link. That's a debunked list. Many of the studies don't even actually deal with that issue. Let's continue. Over 450 uh, citations, uh, so 450 studies summarized, and I have 1,400 citations. Okay. The, the question for your campaign is... I'm not talking about this stuff on my campaign. I'm just talking between well, you and me. That's a ridiculous assumption. Of course you're going to have to talk about it. You well, think if I'm, somebody asks me, I'm going to. They're all going to ask you. Are you serious? <laughs> no, they this don't is all they're going to ask you about. The, you think they're there for your friends who want to help you? They're, no, they're they, don't go, want, they don't want to hear They me. want to go to the most vulnerable point, which is you're a coup no, because you don't believe in vaccines. That's not me I, talking. I, no. I don't believe that, but that's what but they do will. do you believe I don't believe in vaccines? I, I believe you are more... Um, I just believe you, in science. I, I understand, but, but I, you know... Any, Show Bob, me the science. Bobby, this I, is the, yeah, but let's not talk about again the science. That's the thing. That's the mistake they made. I believe in oh, science too. Listen, listen, but, no, but just like the, I mean. the other I mean, side of it, let, let me just say this: we have different. Every medicine is required to do placebo-controlled trials. That's what science is. You give you you give a, a group of people, a cohort of people, the the medicine. And then you give the a, cohort, a similarly situated, situated cohort of people the placebo. And then you look at health outcomes over a, a four or five year period. Because many of the impact of the outcomes are going to have long diagnostic horizons and long incubation periods. So you won't see them immediately. You need to do it. Anthony Fauci has said eight years for a vaccine. You need to watch them for a while. Those studies have not, the only medicine that never gets tested are vaccines. OK, so let's talk about that. This they believe that this is their sort of trump card, right? This is irrefutable. He says we, we need these placebo controlled vaccine trials. This is a common ruse with these folks. OK, it is true that the specific autism vaccine link has not been extensively explored with regard to child vaccinations through that particular type of type of trial. But why not? The why not is extraordinarily important to understand. The reason is similar to why we don't do randomized controlled trials about smoking while pregnant, right? You could say, listen, I don't know that smoking while pregnant is actually bad. In order to say smoking while pregnant is bad, we should take a thousand women. We should have a hundred not smoke at all. We should have a hundred smoke a pack a day and 100 smoke two packs a day. OK, and then we spend 20 years seeing what is the impact on those kids. OK, that would be horribly unethical because of what we do know. It is generally considered unethical to withhold potentially life saving vaccines from individuals if they are available and proven to be effective. The vaccines that he has been against for a long time for kids are so effective at preventing serious illness that how would you do such a test? Do you say, hey, let's volunteer a bunch of kids to go through adolescence with no vaccines and see what happens to them? It would be insanely unethical because of the risk that you would expose them to. You have to balance risks and benefits. And with the serious, actual validated studies that have looked into this issue, not by doing it the way he wants, because it would be hugely unethical. But by looking at it in the ways that the CDC and others do, there has been no link established between vaccination and autism.
And this is his view. So now we've got it. It's not people misstating it. It's Bobby Kennedy Jr. in his own words, and it's horrifying. The weather is about to start warming up, and that often means sweating and chafing and sticking. Sheath is the men's underwear that once and for all puts an end to all of that nonsense. Our sponsor, Sheath Underwear, has designed unique boxer briefs with an ergonomic compartment built to keep everything separate and dry and cool and comfortable by allowing air to circulate everywhere it needs to be. No more readjusting all day. Sheath offers a huge variety of designs and patterns. Over half a million pairs have already been sold. Also, check out their super comfortable bamboo T-shirts. Sheath has amazing customer service, super fast shipping, along with over 20,000 five star reviews. Sheath is also actively working with multiple nonprofits that deal with mental health and homelessness, which you support when you get sheath underwear. I've had a great experience with sheath underwear. I know you will too. head on over to sheathunderwear.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman for 20 percent off. That's S H E A T H underwear.com slash Pacman code Pacman for 20 percent off. The info is in the podcast notes. Whether you're a carpenter, painter or just want to be prepared for emergencies, if you need a gas mask or respirator, go to our sponsor Parcel Safety. As many of you know, I'm into emergency preparedness, not crazy prepping, but I want to have some food stored, some supplies. I've talked about water and multiple respirators are part of that because it's just a staple of being prepared. Respirator sales have been way up in recent years. Natural disasters, wildfires, polluted air, chemical plant accidents, unrest of different kinds, militarized police, all sorts of different reasons. You never know when a respirator or a gas mask from Parcel Safety might come in handy, and it could be when you least expect it. Parcel Safety respirators are also perfect for professionals, contractors, painters, people doing DIY projects at home. All of Parcel Safety's respirators come with a one year manufacturer's warranty. Every respirator or gas mask comes with a filter, competitive prices, large discounts for organizations and outstanding customer service. To be totally honest, I've said before, I'm using these for changing baby diapers. It, I, people think I'm kidding and then they come visit me and I really am not. It, it actually is very useful to other parents out there. I do recommend it. Go to davidpackmancom slash safety. Use the code Pacman for 25 percent off your first order. That's davidpackmancom slash safety. Code Pacman saves you 25 percent. The info is in the podcast notes. Today, we're going to be speaking with Joe Berkowitz, a writer whose work has been featured in Vulture, The New Yorker, Fast Company. He's author of the books American Cheese and Away with Words, and also of the recent article, When Did the F Your Feelings Crowd Get So Triggered? Joe, really great having you on. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. So, I mean, maybe to start, you know, it's it's increasingly as the American right wing and Republican Party has gotten away from serious policy discussions, there has been more and more of a focus on this idea of owning the libs, triggering the snowflakes, et cetera, almost as a stand in for policy where they they almost seem to see it 
as virtuous for its own sake. If if liberals are angry, then we must be doing something right. At the same time, they have this phrase. Facts don't care about your feelings, which often comes up in, in right wing media, et cetera. Did, did this all start because they started losing American public opinion on policy or what are the origins of this shift that we've seen? Uh, I, I think uh, th there is a resentment about uh, not having more standing in culture. I think um, just seeing how kind of the liberal bias of entertainment, uh, I think it's calmed down a little bit at least, but looking back at 2016, it was pretty rampant. If you look at the, the, the Clinton campaign, you know, leaning on people like, like Lena Dunham and things like that, it was just, I look back now and I can sort of see where some of the resentment may have come from, but I do feel there is resentment of uh, from conservatives about feeling like they didn't have a place in culture, uh, and that uh, kind of led, in my opinion, to the uh, trolling as politics, and which you know saw its uh, apotheosis in. Um, in the ascent of Donald Trump in 2016. One of the interesting um, hypocrisies is that while on the one hand there is this F your feelings sort of idea from the right, it's that they also engage in much of that same. Well, this just feels wrong sort of argumentation uh, just to pick one example. And there's so many, right? Uh, the entire drag show stuff where children are being recruited and forced and blah, 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 and groomed. And it's, you know, for the most part, kids are showing up at any kind of drag event if their parents have made the choice to bring them there. Nobody's being recruited. Nobody's being forced. But they just feel as though it's very much wrong. And we could talk about a lot of these different arguments. Talk a little bit about that and, and the idea that it is also an instance sort of of a projection that they say, uh, we don't care about your feelings. We care about facts. And yet so many of the arguments they do make are based simply on their feelings. Yeah, a, a lot of what we're seeing now uh, is all feelings based uh, backlash. And I think um, it's it's probably um, best uh, exemplified by, you know, the uh, the, the the backlash to the the Bud Light campaign and the and Target and things like that. Uh, I saw a tweet after my article came out, and it was Charlie Kirk from um, a Turning Point USA. Yeah, surprisingly, a lot of clout, I guess. Uh, yeah, shockingly, people even though it's sort of youth centered, but it seems like only old people seem to listen to it. But anyway, Charlie Kirk uh, tweeted that I opened my fridge the other day and I didn't know whether my ketchup was woke or my mustard was woke. And it sounds like a parody, Yeah. but he was being 100% serious. And I think, I'm not sure if I put this in the article or not, but like somebody was saying, I heard that Chick-fil-A 
got a DEI uh, vice president or a, a, just a high up person just just strictly for DEI. He's like, does that mean I have to boycott Chick-fil-A? I like Chick-fil-A. And <laughs> so it's this feeling like we have to uh, push back against these things, even though it, they're not, I mean, there's no effect on your life if uh, Bud Light sends a beer to a, a trans influencer. I, I, I really, I, I've racked my brain and I can't see how that affects anyone in any ways, but there is livid outrage. Uh, there is Kid Rock taking an automatic weapon and shooting a bunch of Bud Light, which I suppose is supposed to exemplify, it's supposed to show strength. I don't know how that shows strength, but anyway, and yeah, so these are all feelings. This isn't a policy that they have a, a, a logical rebuttal to. This is just, I know that in my heart that it is bad for uh, LGBTQ repre representation to be to appear in the corporate world. It doesn't need to have a corporate sanction. That is against what I stand for, and I am furious about it in my heart. That One of the um themes with a lot of these culture issues is using kids as a sort of shield in a way mm. or not even a shield. It's not a scapegoat. It's sort of like saying kids are the victims. And if you go back 10 years when I was covering the fight for um, for marriage equality, you would hear about no gay gay men are grooming kids and they are pedophiles and so on and so so forth. Now you're seeing it with trans people. Now you're seeing it with the drag shows uh, when it came to masks and vaccines. It was the kids. The kids can't breathe and the vaccines aren't safe for the kids and the kids aren't getting uh, a say. And then it's well uh, for when it, when it comes to don't say gay and uh, the AP history class in Florida, it's kids are being taught to hate America or whatever the case may be. This is this is a theme, right? I mean, at this point, the the use of kids as the victims who we have to protect seems like a clear cut strategy. Yeah, um, you know, with the don't say gay initiative, they promised it was just to protect children. And then, of course, they did start doing it for uh, middle school and I believe high school students. Uh, but they did start raising the age. Yeah. And it was pretty clear they just wanted to get it out of school. And. I, I do believe they want to protect children, but I think they're lying about who they want to protect them from. They say they want to protect them from predators, but what I think they want to protect them from is the possibility that they'll think it's okay to be gay, that, that, they, that they'll learn that if they feel as though they were born in the wrong body, that there are possibilities to explore that they don't they want to protect them from even a chance of that. They would rather uh, have them, you know, be uh, suppressed, suppressed and go back to before that was uh, sanctioned culturally at all. So they want to protect them from reality. And then it's even more egregious with uh, the black history stuff. Um, I use as an example in the piece the idea of protecting children from learning uh, how Jackie Robinson was treated. Uh, when he what became the first black major baseball player. Yeah. But um, that may be a slightly exaggerated example. I don't even think so. I mean, just the, the kinds of things that they want to pretend, protect children from feeling 
uh, weird or guilty about. It's uh, it, it's it's ludicrous, uh, especially after all the talk about six years ago when Trump was first, you know, uh, becoming president uh, about safe spaces. It's yeah, you uh, they're just uh, ill preparing children uh, from finding out hard truths later on if they just want to paint a, a whitewashed portrait of history for them now. What do you think or do you have an opinion when it comes to the strategy that the left should adopt? Because when it comes to a lot of these cultural issues, you can find arguments all over the map. You can find arguments that say the the left should completely ignore every single one of these issues. You know, uh, androgynous M&Ms that Tucker Carlson's no longer attracted to. It's like just don't there's just, you just don't even weigh in. Don't even acknowledge that they are doing these things. Another hmm. view is fight them on each of the issues on the merits, make the case about the M&Ms, make the case about AP history, but like fight it on the merits for each one. Mm -hmm. Third option, expose the hypocrisy, as you were talking about. They claim to be about against safe spaces, but they're essentially creating them through some of these policies. They claim to be against feelings based uh, uh, policy proposals, but it's exactly what they're doing, right? So that would be like a third option. Focus on the hypocrisy. Do you have an opinion as to what the best approach would be for the left on this? I remember right when uh, Biden, right after the inauguration, he was just, uh, or at least his administration anyway, was coming out with uh, fulfilling campaign promises left and right. They were just kind of heads down, getting the work done. And if you look back at the articles at that time, that was when uh, M&Ms are woke uh, and what was it? Oh, yeah. The Dr. Seuss books. Yep. That, that was just the those were the major issues and they were ignored uh, in favor of passing legislation. There was just no messaging on the left really about it. And that seemed to work. But that's not an election. That's just getting stuff done. I think last year, uh, the midterms, they were set up to be a referendum on a lot of these uh, culture war type issues. True. And I think in addition to having weak candidates, I think what we've learned is that a lot of people who aren't on Twitter for the entirety of the day or listening to whatever is to the right of Fox News, o OAN or Newsmax or whatever, those people don't care about that stuff or and I think or at least uh, a, ma a majority seem to have, you know, bigger concerns, uh, you know, like inflation seemed to be abandoned for trans athletes in a lot of these campaigns. Um, so I do think um, that a good strategy uh, I've seen a couple politicians uh, do this is just kind of point out how weird this stuff is. Like, uh, I forget which state, I, I should have prepared a little bit, but uh, either Tennessee or just some one state wanted to have genital inspections uh, yeah. for student athletes to make sure uh, that they're, uh, they're the uh, gender they were assigned at birth. And that's that's pretty creepy, especially <laughs> for the people who are constantly pointing out, like, beware of creepy people. like. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, trying to debate that might be uh, a losing issue because you're not going to dissuade someone from, from, uh, their claims that, that 
you know, trans people shouldn't have rights or uh, black history shouldn't be taught in schools. You can't dissuade someone about that. You can't defeat them. Doesn't matter if you have the facts. Uh, people, you're not going to convince someone whose uh, livelihood depends on on being confidently wrong. So just point out how weird it is and move on. That seems to be uh, a winning strategy for uh, some politicians I've seen. I, I certainly agree with that, at least from what I've seen so far. We've been speaking with Joe Berkowitz about his article. When did the F your feelings crowd get so triggered? We're going to be linking to the article. Joe, I really appreciate your time and insights today. Well, thanks for having me on, David. It was a pleasure. Sometimes it can be tough to maintain an emotional connection with your significant other. You might work in different places at different times. There might be a kid in the way. It can be hard to find time for date nights, especially because kids demand so much attention, which is why I love our sponsor paired, which is the app for couples. The app will prompt you with a daily question or a game or a guided conversation, all designed by leading psychologists. And the point is to just have a deeper connection with your partner, boost intimacy, build a deeper knowledge of one another. My girlfriend and I will use the prompts on paired throughout the day to stay connected. For instance, we answered a prompt about what we remember most from the early days of the relationship. It really helps us learn new things and there can be funny moments as well. An independent study found that couples using paired saw 36 percent increase in the quality of their relationship and giving a paired subscription as a gift is also a really great idea. You can try it free for seven days and get 25 percent off a subscription. Go to paired.com slash Pacman. That's P-A-I-R-E-D dot com slash Pacman for a free trial and 25 percent off. The link is in the podcast notes. If you've been thinking about getting a new mattress, Helix Sleep is where I would start. I've been sleeping on Helix mattresses for years now. I recommend Helix to everyone, which is why I wanted them as a sponsor. If you don't want to take my word for it, Helix has been awarded number one mattress by both GQ and Wired magazine. And one of the things that makes Helix unique is their sleep quiz. I didn't really know what kind of mattress would be best for me. But you do this short sleep quiz. You answer questions about your body type and your preferences, what position you like to sleep in. And Helix will match you with the perfect mattress for you. So you know you're actually getting something tailored to your needs instead of going in blind like most people do. I got my Helix mattress designed to stay cool at night since I hate getting hot while I sleep. Shipping is always free. You get 100 nights to decide whether you like it. My audience gets a huge 20% discount off of all orders, plus two free pillows. Go to helixsleep.com slash Pacman. That's H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash Pacman for 20% off and two free pillows. The link is in the podcast notes. We thought it might be happening, and it very clearly is happening. Donald Trump is scared to debate his fellow Republican challengers in the 2024 Republican presidential primary. He is now using the cover of saying Fox News is no longer a fair place for him to uh, have a debate as a part of the story he is telling about why he will likely not participate, at least in the first Republican primary debate scheduled for August 23rd on Fox News. Let's be super clear and just call this for what it is. Trump 
doesn't believe that debating will be good for him. And I have to tell you, I don't know that he is wrong. He is leading the Republican primary by quite a bit. And we're going to look at that polling in a little bit. If the debates go well, he would still simply be leading the Republican primary, maybe by a little more, but he's already winning by enough to win the Republican primary. On the other hand, if the debates don't go well, either because he stumbles or everybody else gangs up on him, make him look stupid or they treat him unfairly, whatever, it can only hurt him. And so Donald Trump is aware of the fact that the debates may be a risk to him, given where the polling is right now. And now Donald Trump is making this abundantly clear. He went on Newsmax yesterday. He says he doesn't know that he wants to do any primary debates, but specifically he says Fox News, Fox News is now hostile to him and he just may not do it. Take a listen. And you have a hostile network like Fox, like when I did the uh, Brett, the the, uh, interview with Brett, I thought it was fine. I thought it was okay, but there was nothing friendly about it. You know, it was nasty. And I thought I did a good job. I've been given credit for doing a good job. But I've also people said, why would you do it? Because it was really, you know, everything was like an unfriendly. It was always everything was unfriendly. No smiling. No, uh, let's have fun. Let's make America great again. Everything was like a hit. So, you know, you have a hostile network and you have people that are obviously their candidates are against you and uh, they therefore are being hostile. If you're leading by, by the way, isn't that amazing? He's like, also, the candidates would be against me. It's like, well, yeah, they're running against you. Of course, the candidates are going to be what he wants the candidates to be for Trump on the debate. 30, 40 or 50 points. What's the purpose of really doing it? Okay, so I mean, listen, reading between the lines. You don't have to read between the lines very much. Trump is saying I'm winning now. I don't really get the point. It can really only hurt me and it might actually hurt me. That is something that actually might happen. Trump then um, going on Truth Social and continuing the attack, saying, quote, so Fox News, which is down 37 percent of the capital R ratings, doesn't cover my getting the man of the decade award because of my great trade policies in Michigan or my keynote speech for faith and freedom in D.C. And then wants me to show up and get them ratings for their, quote, presidential debate where I'm leading the field by 40 points. All they do is promote against all hope Ron DeSanctimonious. And he's dropping like a rock. Sorry, Fox News. Life doesn't work that way. How bizarre has the American political scene gotten? Trump then continuing to troth apoplectically, quote, Fox News just covered from beginning to the end the Ron DeSanctimonious, very boring con- news conference at the Capitol B border, but didn't cover one minute of my two big speeches on Saturday and Sunday night one for faith and freedom in D.C., the other about trade in Michigan, where I was presented with the man of the decade award. The DeSantis speech was just a rehash of all the things I did to have the safest and strongest border in U.S. history. Also, I'm up on him by 40 point points and also up big on Biden. Bottom line, folks, Trump is afraid to debate and it seems as though He is not going to participate. The first debate scheduled for let's see what we have here. Politico has a guide to the first presidential debate in the uh, primary. The highly anticipated debate is going to take place August 23rd at Fiserv Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee, where the RNC is going to be held in 2024. Fox News will host the event 
outline specifics on Tuesday. Brett Bayer and Martha McCallum will be moderating. Um, and, uh, you know, it's going to be on Fox News and uh, we'll have more information as we get closer. Trump indeed may not debate. And if that is the case, I can only imagine that his supporters will say it is the only correct decision that could possibly be made. All right. Uh, Donald Trump, during a deranged interview on Newsmax, praised Bobby Kennedy Jr., saying he respects him very much, very strongly respecting him. They show B-roll of Bobby Kennedy doing push-ups while, tr- while Trump says this. Uh, I, I want to talk about this. T- take a listen. I will say RFK Jr., who I've known not very well, but I've known for a while, and I respect him. A lot of people respect him. He's got some... Uh, some very important points to be made. No, he's a respected person. Yeah. The least surprising thing I would expect to hear from Donald Trump. And of course, because Bobby Kennedy Jr. is running as a Democrat, it's to Trump's advantage. It's to Trump's advantage to prop up someone that could damage Joe Biden. Now, let's talk about logical fallacies. Okay, remember that with logical fallacies, we can interpret them strictly, but sometimes we interpret them colloquially or a little more informally. Strictly speaking, if we say I'm skeptical of Bobby Kennedy Jr. because Trump's a moron and if Trump likes him, then there must be something wrong with Bobby Kennedy Jr. Like technically speaking, that is the logical fallacy of guilt by association. But we have to be able to distinguish guilt by association, right? If I say Hitler breathed oxygen, so oxygen must be bad. That makes no sense. That's idiotic, right? It would be Alex Jones level for me to say something like that on the show. I would never do it. If I were to say to you, Hitler had a doctor, so therefore doctors in general shouldn't be trusted. That's silly. That doesn't make any sense. You would rightly cancel your your paid subscription to this show if you had one, which you probably don't. But if I were to say Hitler supported Mussolini and Franco in Italy and Spain, that makes me skeptical of Mussolini and Franco. That does make sense. I would then look into Mussolini and Franco and said, oh, my instincts were right. Uh, Hitler's support was a red flag here. When we look into Bobby Kennedy Jr. and we find his questionable takes about vaccines and Russia, foreign policy, the 2020 election, all of it, then we say, oh, right. The fact that Trump respects him and is saying positive things about him was a red flag because it is then borne out by the facts that we were able to find. Not surprising that Trump is saying positive things about Bobby Kennedy Jr. One other clip from this Newsmax interview. Trump attacking Fox for saying they are backing loser DeSantis. This is getting really wild. I don't know what their problem is, but they don't cover a lot of the things that they should be covering. Uh, They backed a loser. They backed a guy that can't win. Ron DeSanctimonious, I call him. He's losing by 40 points. Some people say 51 points. He's losing by that. And uh, they give him so much time. I watched today. They gave him a live a live presentation down at the border, which was very boring. And all he did is say, I would use various policies. And those were all my policies. So uh, he boringly said he would do all the same stuff I already succeeded with. That's it's quite a criticism. If that criticism were true, it would actually be quite damning. And yet I got the man of the decade award last night in Michigan. And I we, we had faith and freedom on Saturday night and they purposely didn't cover that speech. All right. So there is Trump uh, going after DeSantis, going after Fox. Everybody's bad. Everybody's so unfair. Where I want to direct us now, the final point for this part of the show is going to be that 
it actually seems that against Joe Biden, it's becoming clear that DeSantis is the better choice. Let's talk about that. We have new swing state polling, and I want to be really clear about this. This is general election swing state polling, which finds that Ron DeSantis would do better against Joe Biden than would Donald Trump. This does not mean the Republican maggots are going to choose someone other than Trump to be their nominee. This doesn't mean any of that. Trump is still the most likely Republican nominee. It just means that Trump's claim that he would beat Biden where DeSantis would lose is not borne out by the facts. Why do we care about swing states? We care about swing states because whether it's DeSantis or Trump, Joe Biden's going to win California. Whether it's DeSantis or Trump, DeSantis or Trump are going to win Wyoming. Okay, the election is going to come down to a group of swing states. In those swing states, we are increasingly getting data that Ron DeSantis would do better against Joe Biden than would Donald Trump. I'm not giving advice to Republicans. I'm just telling you this is what the data shows. If you look at a new poll out of Pennsylvania, you find that Biden leads Trump, but DeSantis leads Biden. Remember, these are hypothetical matchups where you say to people, if it were Trump versus Biden, who do you vote for? If it were DeSantis versus Biden, who do you vote for? And people respond. In Georgia, an important state that Joe Biden won in 2020, unusually so for Democrats in recent years. In Georgia, Biden leads Trump, but DeSantis leads Biden. In Arizona, another really important state, uh, Biden leads Trump, but DeSantis leads Biden. Let's see what else we have from swing states. That may be it for recent ones. Uh, Oh, Michigan. In Michigan, Biden and Trump are tied. DeSantis leads Biden. Very small margin, statistically probably a dead heat. So the important takeaway here is that the Republican electorate right now, it's June 27th, right? This could change. Trump gets arrested a third or fourth time. DeSantis comes up with some free pony plan that everybody loves all of a sudden or free zebras. Who knows? It could change. The point right now is in these very important contested states, swing states, DeSantis is polling better than Trump against the most likely Democratic nominee, Joe Biden. So it might be the logical thing for Republicans to select someone with a better shot at winning, but they seem determined to select Donald Trump. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P on the bonus show yesterday. I told stories about uh, my flights out and back from California. I also talked about uh, the homeless problem in San Francisco. In fact, I, I didn't criticize the homeless people. I said San Francisco didn't cause homelessness. The Eggman apparently didn't like what I had to say. Listen to this. Hey, Dave, I'm just a little bit disappointed in how you described the homeless people and Sorry. the RVs and the camps and stuff that you saw while out visiting San Francisco. Um, personally, when I see stuff like that, I go over and interact with people. I meet them. I talk to them. I- OK, I drove by the encampments uh, on the way to an event. I'm sorry, Eggman. I didn't stop to talk to people at the encampment. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't do it. You're right. Get high with them. I buy them some food. I hang out. Maybe they buy me some food. Okay. Maybe they get me high. Um, so those are just people that I want to meet and talk to a lot more than people on an airplane stuffing 50 bags in an overhead. I, I was not stuffing 50 bags in an overhead. Uh, I, I brought on a rollerboard and a, and a personal item. 
My girlfriend brought on a rollerboard and a personal item, and then we had the foldable baby stroller, which folds right into the overhead, and then we had a diaper bag. Okay, there was nothing crazy going on. Dragging a kid around. I mean, so look, I would love to hang out with you, but I would much more like to hang out with somebody living in an RV in San Francisco. All right, well, I'm sorry, Eggman. Go and drive to San Francisco and hang out at the RV. I'm sorry I failed the Eggman when it came to the encampments. All right, we've got a great bonus show for you today. I won't even tell you what's on it because I'm running so behind, but it's a great bonus show. I encourage you to check it out.